Hey guys, welcome to episode number three of The Messy Table, where real women gather around and talk about the stuff real life is made of. I'm Jen, and my personal messy table is exactly where I chat with my next guest. But before I introduce her, I want you to know that one of the driving forces for starting this little podcast was just a burning desire somewhere inside of me to highlight some incredible women and the wisdom that comes from their everyday real life experience. Stories you probably would never get the opportunity to hear otherwise. If you missed any of the past episodes, no worries. You can go back and listen anytime you want. Just go to jenjewel.com for all of these resources or the Messy Table podcast on iTunes. And today you get to learn from my good friend, Whitney Reed, who's a physician's assistant, a dentist's wife, a mom to three young girls. And from the outside, you would never know that she faced a long, unexpected battle with anxiety and depression. I've so been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Whitney has been through a lot, but the vantage point she brings as a Christian in the medical field, as well as a wife and mom is rich in perspective. If you're desperate for hope, her words will not disappoint. So grab some coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at the messy table. Hey, Wit. Hey, Jen. Well, thanks for being here and for being willing to share your story today. Thanks for having me. Well, before we get into all that, I'd love for you to share just a little bit about yourself and about your life. Okay. Um, so I have three beautiful little girls. Um, and a wonderful husband. I am a um, physician assistant for family practice, working part-time, which is a great balance right now. It gives me some time at work um, and also just awesome time with my girls. I have Lily Grace. She is six and Zoe Faith, who's four. And then we just had Vivian Hope, who is seven months. Um, First two are blonde hair, blue eyed, and then my Vivi is brown hair, brown eyed, a little clone of her daddy. Um, she is. Oh, she looks so much. She like looks him. a lot like her, <laughs> like him, not her. She does. Um, so we have an awesome life group of about. Let's see, we just had a couple move. We missed them, but we have eight couples, and we've been together about nine years. And we attend Life Church in South Tulsa, um, so we do life together with them. But most of my time right now is work and family. Mm -hmm. Well, Whitney and I actually met when we both cheered at OSU, at Oklahoma State University. And we have been friends now for 15 years. Isn't that crazy? Wow. <laughs> That's wild. I yeah, feel old. I feel old too. <laughs> so we were in each other's weddings and we've led life groups together and are now kind of journeying through this season of raising our kids and being grown-ups and all of that. So there's a lot of memories to choose from between the two of us. I was trying to narrow down a favorite and do you know what came to mind? <laughs> so there's so there's many memories, so many. but um, I was thinking about, um, in 2004, just to give everyone listening a little bit of history in 2004, OSU went to the final four in men's basketball. Uh, but before that, during the sweet 16 and elite eight tournaments leading up to it, we were, um, there cheering on the Cowboys in New Jersey during the elite eight tournament. And it was one of the best games of my yeah, life. Definitely, John Lucas shot the game winning three pointer against, um, St. Joe at the buzzer, which sent OSU into the final four. And it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. It was so much fun. I remember you fun. making fun of me because I was like doing the wave, but I had tears streaming down my Oh yeah. It was really dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so after that, while we were there on that trip, we went into New York City and did the tourist thing. We saw Lady Liberty and the Empire State Building. And um, Tracy Whitwer, who was our sponsor and friend, took us to high tea at the Plaza Hotel. Yeah, so we fun. were feeling really fancy. Mm-hmm. But then the memory that I'm thinking of um, <laughs> comes after that. So we were actually on the subway of all places. Um, we were on the subway when a raggedy old lady, was she old or did, was she just raggedy? Maybe she was just kind of raggedy. I feel um, like my memory of her is old, but maybe. Definitely older than that. Just kind of disheveled. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Um, came up to us, got in our faces, which was pretty startling, you know, in New York City on a subway. And she <laughs> said something to the effect of. Hold, <laughs> Hold on to your pusses, girls. They might yeah. get snatched up. In her New York, pusses. 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 Puss. And we were like, excuse you? What? Excuse us? What? <laughs> Hold on to them. They might get snatched or pusses. <laughs> so it took us a while to realize that she was saying purses, purses. with an R. Mm-hmm. Don't let your purses get snatched up. So that and just, we used that forever. We I think did. We said that pretty much every trip. Oh, we did. There on. And we would laugh just as hard every time. <laughs> So that memory but just it is good advice. always makes me laugh. <laughs> Especially <Yes>. when traveling. <laughs> That's true. Really, it's, it can be used in everyday life. Anywhere. You can take that advice with you. So, spoiler alert, um, one of the main things that we're going to talk about today is Whitney's journey with anxiety and with anxiety and depression. And most people wouldn't know that about you. Um, so I want, before we get into it, I want everyone listening to know three things. Um, first of all, this is an emotional thing. Um, this is really one of the first times that Whitney has shared her story publicly outside of inner circles. And it's really something that you've been going through. Um, and that I've been walking next to you for how, how long? Gosh, I probably dealt with it, um, off and on for about seven and a half years. The first year and a half was the absolute worst. Um, but God delivered me, and I have been free of it for about the last seven years. So it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, and we just now came together before God in prayer, um, before hitting record. And really, we're praying that right now, wherever you are, if you're at your desk or driving in the car or working out, or maybe it's your baby's nap time, um, that you would just be open to whatever God is trying to speak to you today. Number two, anyone's life can look perfect from the outside, right? Absolutely. Um, I could definitely put on a face. And not even because we're always trying to be fake. No, no, um, no. But just because from the outside, we don't see all the messes and inner workings of what's going on. We never know what someone is truly going through. Um, Whitney is just gorgeous. She's a successful PA in the medical field. Her husband is a loving, servant-hearted dentist. They have three beautiful girls, as she said, um, and they both have a strong relationship with Christ. And yet, she still went through this full-on cutthroat just battle. And I think we always need to be careful what we assume about others because we're all facing things that the outside world might know nothing about. Absolutely. And number three, um, everyone can relate to this story, even if you haven't gone through exactly what she's gone through, because man, just life is hard. I personally haven't gone through what Whitney has, but we can all struggle with anxiety and fear on different levels. Um, 
there have been plenty of nights where I've been overwhelmed or worried about something or anxious and might fall asleep just saying the name of Jesus because sometimes that's that's kind of all I got, you know? Mm-hmm. So those are my two cents just leading into this conversation. And um, Whit, you have been through something really significant. And can you kind of take us back and describe the beginning of that journey? Okay. Um, so grew up in an amazing, amazing godly home. Um, wonderful parents, grew up in church, awesome childhood, successful high school. Um, went on to OSU and met Chad, who um, is, was just and still is more than then the most amazing um, husband. And um, had an amazing college experience, four years of cheering and was in a sorority and met just some amazing friends. and. So Chad and I met my sophomore year. We dated for two years, and then we got married um, after I graduated. And they always say, and you know, as a practitioner, um, that stress is often one of the biggest triggers for people. It's either long-term stress or a short, stressful event. Um, and so hindsight, I look at a lot of, even though they were good stressors, they were stressors. Um, a move, marriage, you know. So I, we got married in May. Um, and Chad was so adamant. This is one of those moments where you look back that God was so faithful. He was so adamant that we get married and we put ourselves through PA and dental school together so that we know the sacrifice that it took. We basically, as he always says, we lived on love and loans <laughs> for three years because um, he was a year ahead of me, so he'd already had one year of dental school under his belt. Um, and we li- we did every night. We would come home, we'd eat dinner, and we'd go to the coffee shop for three hours, you know, for at least a year and a half, and then I started rotations. Um, so got married in May, moved to Oklahoma City in June, um, graduated from OSU in May, um, started PA school in July. So, um, about a year and a half, you do your didactic. And so that's the hardest part. And they told us the first day I'll never forget sitting there in PA school. Um, and to be quite honest, I had a really charmed life and childhood. So I really hadn't gone through a lot. And I had a strong faith that I didn't probably realize you know, that I just, God needed to refine my faith in ways that I hadn't realized until I went through this. Um, after the didactic year was over, can I ask um, what a didactic year is? Yeah, sorry. I don't, (laughs) I don't even know why I use that word. Coursework basically. So you're in the books. Okay. So we're sitting there the first, you know, orientation. And I remember, you know, him, one of the instructors saying, this is going to be the most stressful year and a half you'll ever go through. It's just an unbelievable amount of information in a short amount of time. Many of you may need to be on anti-anxiety medicine or even antidepressants because it's that stressful. And I remember specifically looking at my friend at the time and just like rolling my eyes like, that's for the, honestly, and I'm embarrassed to even say this now and how far God has taken me, but that's for the weak-minded. Like, you know, that's a choice is really what I thought. And um, let me just say, I will never say the never again because God had to show me. Um, otherwise, so finished that and I was doing a rotation in Tulsa and I was sitting in my sister's room. I can just vividly remember it. I was studying and I just remember all of a sudden my heart started racing and this just, um, like this darkness settled over me. Um, like a, just this cloak kind of just came over me and it was just like a switch. I mean, I went from being my normal happy self to all of a sudden, anxious, confused. I was crying off and on. I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't eat. Um, I I had no idea what was going on. 
with my, you know, I went and saw a couple of doctors, thought it was my birth control pills, thought it was hormones, thought I had, you know, stomach pain, um, headaches, and I just didn't realize what I was going through at the time. I was mm-hmm. 22 years old, and, you know, I look through, um, I look at Chad, and, you know, I feel at that time he's married, you know, what he thinks is the woman of his dreams, and uh, a year and a half later, you know, I'm really struggling with, um, anxiety and the wife that he'd married, he's probably thinking what in the world is going on. And so that's one of those moments where I'm so grateful that he was so adamant that we get married because he was my earthly rock Mm -hmm. through that. I can't imagine not having him by my side to get Mm -hmm. me through, you know, to encourage me, to hold me when I needed to cry. Um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, he would get frustrated because he wanted to help and fix it and figure it out. So so what was it like whenever you were kind of at that really dark place um, where um, you didn't feel a lot of hope? Gosh. Um, so Beth Moore has a book called um, Praying God's Word, and she has a portion in it um, called Overcoming Depression. And um, she talks about where she went through a period of it. Um, and, you know, she said that she would... she. She feared that she would lose all soundness of mind. Um, and there was even a moment where if she hadn't loved the Lord and loved her family so much, she might have been given up. Um, you know, she had unparalleled feelings of powerlessness, a life um, despairing defeat over you, confusion, fear, nightmares. Um, just honestly, it's, you know, even um, I think it's, in Psalms where he's saying, you know, my Lord, hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me. I am distraught. Like that sums it up. Your thoughts are just troubling all of them. And this was all the time. Off and on. I mean, you know, you'd have, I'd have days where I felt like the Lord would just give you a sweet little break. Not, you still felt a heaviness. I was never 100%, but days where he would lift me, carry me. And then days where I would struggle and days where he would carry me. And that went on for about a year. And I just was very adamant that I didn't want to get on medication. I was very anti and, you know, hindsight, that might not have been the wisest thing. Um, I might've been able to, you know, fight through that a little bit better at the time. Um, so we, um, moved back here mm-hmm. after I graduated and just off and on struggled with it. Um, got a job with, them, with amazing family practice doctors and my husband being the Dave Ramsey that he is moved us out into, a double wide trailer on 10 acres, the which mob. I remember the, the mob, mob. Yeah. The AKA home. the mob, um, which is so cool where we started a life group that we didn't think anybody would drive. We out did. To. I remember us sitting in the living room, just the four of us going, well, do you think people will drive all the way out here into the country onto this land with this mobile home and talk about God with us? Yeah. And then what we end up with 40 people out and there we had to point. multiply, we had to multiply split. three different life groups formed. And, and it, what's cool too, is even in this darkness, God was still able to use us. You know, we had moved, we'd been involved with life church and we were able to help start the South Tulsa campus. And nobody would know that I was struggling with that at the time. I was right. still trying to put one foot in front of the other and not every day was awful. And it was, and I'd even have some, you know, where I felt a little reprieve for mm-hmm. a few months and then it would kind of settle back. And it was different triggers. It was when I would fear or let's say I would see a patient that had, you know, that would spiral me into thoughts mm-hmm. um, of you're never going to get over this or um, 
a time, a lot of times it was holidays or it was events that you just wanted to be excited and feel normal. Joyful. And I just couldn't enjoy anything. I had this just blunted feeling of you just, what you can't, you don't enjoy things the way that you used to. Um, and once you, and when you know how sweet life can be and then all of a sudden you can't even enjoy your husband. And that was the other thing is that guilt of like, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to feel this way. I have the joy of the Lord. I have an unbelievable life. There are people that have it so much worse than me. Like I have nothing to feel this way about Mm -hmm. was this, I think it would honestly cycle me worse because I would feel so guilty. Like, you know, and, and Beth Moore even says, I think sometimes this is harder on believers than it is, you know, non-believers because you have this idea that you're not supposed to feel that way. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to. And, you and know, didn't she, you often, I, I remember you saying that you just felt really numb, numb a lot of time. Definitely it wasn't numb. always sad. It, it was just. Yeah. There was a period where the worst of it, the anxiety, the not sleeping, that lifted. I just didn't feel myself for a really, really long time. I mean, I just felt numb. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there'd be peaks of anxiety that would creep in. Um, you know, nothing was ever as severe as the first year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think because it hadn't, wasn't as bad, I could kind of manage it. But even though you're saying it wasn't as bad, I mean, I still remember times where I remember us just trying to, you know, come alongside you and pour scriptures into you and lift your head and, mm-hmm. and just be there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. One thing that Beth Moore, also in this book that I love, she said, many believers debate whether Christians can experience depression. Obviously, many are in record numbers. What injury we bring to the hurting when we become both judge and jury, misapplying scripture to the depth of another person's pain. And I just thought that was such wisdom. You know, as believers, if you haven't walked in somebody's shoes, you really don't understand. And, you know, I can't force somebody to ever understand what this is like if they haven't walked through it. Um, Do you think that gave you perspective for a lot of other areas too? Just anyone who's walked through, I mean, all kinds of different areas of life gives you a lot more grace. I look back and I, I was, and it wasn't for any reason. I just honestly don't think I had experienced much, you know, and pain is a good thing in so many ways. And, um, I think it's what makes you empathetic. It's Mm -hmm. what gives you compassion. Um, pain can be a wise teacher. Absolutely. And so I look back, I was pretty judgmental, I think, and not, I didn't know it, you know, I, I knew no different. Um, I didn't have empathy on, um, people that I, my heart breaks for now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, I, it's, it's embarrassing to think of how judgmental and how narrow minded I think I was before I went through this. Um, and I would not be the PA that I am today. Had I not gone through it, I can't even fathom. I probably would miss things. I probably wouldn't be empathetic. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go home and pray for patients because my heart breaks because I know they're feeling. I wouldn't um, be as understanding. I've even at times prayed with patients. I've even at times been able to look them in the eye and say, I, I've been there and you're going to get better. And, you know, nothing is more depressing when you are going through that for somebody to say, you're going to deal with this forever or mm-hmm. you're going to have to be on medicine the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Even though I think that that is a healing thing for many people. So I know medicine can be kind of controversial and obviously you practice medicine. So absolutely. how do you feel about that conversation? Um, obviously I write antidepressants daily for patients. I think they're very much a need. 
Um, and very, you know, I just say it's personal. It's whatever you feel God's placed on your heart, what your healing is. For some people, it may be the medication. For some people, maybe some intense counseling. Um, some people, it may be, and it's really opened my eyes too to um, another area of medicine I'm really passionate about. Just, it's called, you know, functional medicine, but it's really kind of treating the problems at the root cause instead of treating symptoms. Because mm-hmm. you said that um, you did take medicine, but you got to a point Mm -hmm. where it wasn't helping and you felt stuck mm -hmm. and you eventually, um, just felt called to get off the medicine and see what God wanted to do. And that doesn't mean you're recommending that for everyone else in the world, but for you personally, in your own experience, in your own story, you got to a point where I've tried everything Mm -hmm. and nothing is working. Yeah, I did, um, counseling. I did cognitive, I ordered these CDs, I did cognitive behavioral therapy, which they say is even more um, efficacious than medication a lot of times, and it was great. Um, And I took a real low dose of some medicine, a couple different ones, um, off and on, and just didn't really... I just never really felt like it did a whole lot. Um, you said that maybe for but I like do see a few weeks that you might a little bit. And yeah, then... you might. You know, and, but honestly, the side effects for me, I, it was maybe it helped me not cry, but I could have cared less if my house burnt down. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I gained 10 pounds, so I'm really depressed. You know, like this just, and, and the thing is now I, patients come in and say that and you get it, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, and, and so for, we moved back um, and when we lived in the Mo, because my husband was adamant that we live and we pay off my car and we pay off our ungodly amount of student debt and we um, save for his practice and we save for a down payment on our new home, um, he's, God bless him, he's just an awesome um, leader of our home, spiritually and financially. I feel so blessed um, to have him. But I, um, I probably struggled with it off and on for about, six years and remember thinking like, I'm not, I can't have kids. Like I can't have kids like this. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be a good mom. Like there's no way I don't even, I won't enjoy them. I won't have any, you know, I'm just blah through life. And then just the beating myself up as far as like, I can't be effective for you. I'm in such a selfish state of mind. Um, and Beth Moore, you know, she says like, you know, we are not of darkness, but we do feel darkness as humans. And she, um, you know, also... We still live in a broken world right now. We it, haven't... Exactly. He and, hasn't brought all things to completion yet. No. And, and and there's still parts of it that I, you know, even just the whole mental health world that I don't quite understand and that mm-hmm. I have, I'll have questions for it, sure. you know, when I see him. But um, it makes, you know, it, she says too that it makes no difference the origin of the depression that the devil will gladly take advantage of it. So I think that's what you have to realize is that we do live in a fallen world. There is illness. We're going to experience things. You just have to not let the devil take advantage of it. Because I look back and had I not had a strong support and Chad and Christ in my life, I don't know what, you know, as Pastor Craig always says, you don't know what you're capable of when you're not connected to the vine. Mm -hmm. So just kind of rolling into that, practically speaking, how did you get through it? Like as you were still stuck in this kind of dark, numb place, how did you get through it? How did, how did you physically get out of bed, put one foot in front of the other and make it through day by day? What were some things that you practically applied to your life? Um, I believe prayer is a necessary prescription. I mean, and in all honesty, you don't even have to 
force yourself to pray. Like it's all you have. You're on your knees. I mean, um, there is nothing left of you. So you have, it's all you have. You can't even trust your own. You can't even trust yourself. You know, you don't even trust your thoughts. You don't trust anything about you. So, um, definitely prayer. I was on my knees crying, screaming, yelling. I mean, I remember going through periods of God, your word is not true. Like you say this and I'm experiencing this and you say this, but I do look back and he did not ever let me be tempted beyond more, you know, than I could bear. He, he let me be tempted more than I could handle. Mm-hmm. So I'd rely on him, but not more than I, he always provided a way out. Um, That's good. definitely prayer. Um, you know, the word I was in the word, like all, it's, it's all I had. You cling to it. It's your strength because mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to do without it. Right. Um, and then friends and community, um, in Exodus 17, when, um, Moses hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and her held up his hand, held up his hands, one on each side, the other on the other side. And his hands were able to remain steady until sunset. And that has stuck out to me because um, when I look back at that time. And that's where there's a battle going on in the story. Where yes. If, he, if his hands came down if and they hand, were losing, which yes, is kind of an interesting thing. No. And then if, the, if the his arms were up, yes. then they were winning, but he, he grew weary. Exactly. And so his friends came, basically. And I look back at, you know, I had my mentor in the church who was older than me, who I met multiple times a week during this time. And she just poured into me who also had the vision that I had had and who, who believed in what I felt like God had put on my heart, which I'll get into in a minute. But, um, Lindsay was, um, I'd met her in farm. She was a pharmaceutical rep and she literally poured into me. If I was feeling low, if I was having thoughts, I would call her and share my, deepest, darkest thoughts and not feel judged. And she would speak light into them. And she would constantly say, Whitney, I just, I believe in everything in me. And and Lindsay's gone through her own Mm -hmm. fair share of, um, struggle. But I remember her just saying, I believe with everything in me, you're not going to, you're not going to deal with this forever. And that was just like, you know, medicine to my Mm -hmm. soul for her to even just give me those words. Cause the thought of dealing with this forever, many times I would say, God, if this is my future, just please take me home. Mm -hmm. Like this is no life. So my life group, multiple Mm -hmm. nights, they would surround me in prayer and they would pray over me. Um, You were on the other side, lifting up my hand, whether it was through texting or emails or prayer. Um, And then obviously my husband, but there's a point to where you need, I can't wear him down. You know, he's dealing, he's listening to me day in and day out. And, you know, you just need some accountability that you can share. Um, I I bring it to light, Mm -hmm. basically, you know. Um, so well, there's something really powerful about female friendships, mm-hmm. godly friendships that can come alongside of you and know um, how you were made and Absolutely. say and just pour in to you in a different way than your husband can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and he was great. You know, the men, they want to just fix it. Well, like you said, not... he was your rock. But Absolutely. Then you, so you were, you were standing on him and Christ, but then you had other people come and alongside of And he supported me in every, you know... Mm-hmm. Everything I felt like, well, babe, if that's what you feel, I support you. Or if you feel like God's telling you this, I support you in that. You know, I just want you to do what you need to do. And also my family. Um, I, there, you know, there was many times you were around your family, my wonderful in-law, sister-in-law, 
brother-in-law there many times you were around him and they had no idea because you don't want to sound like a broken record and concern them. Uh, but their support was, um, just awesome on both sides. I remember, um, my sister would text me encouraging text. She would listen, just listen to me. Um, always believed what I believed. My dad, I'm sure that he wore holes in many pairs of jeans on his knees. Um, he was my biggest prayer warrior through this. Many times I could feel, he would text me and say, I've really prayed for you. I was on my knees last night and I could literally just tell. I could feel the spirit just kind of come over me and ease my pain and ease my symptoms or um, just provide positive thoughts. And my mom was always, I could uh, tell her what I felt like God was telling me and she was going to believe it with me. Um, listen. She was an amazing listener. She would just listen and then say, well, Whitney, if that's what you feel, then, you know, I believe that too. You're going to get through this. You're going to get over this. So definitely couldn't have made it without all of my family. So you've come a long way. You are not where you were and he has set you free of this. So bridge the gap for us a little bit. What did this transition look like? Did you wake up one day and think, wow, just all better? <laughs> no, that's what I wanted. I wanted so bad to just wake up and um, feel myself. And once again, you're reminded that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our ways. Um, so for the longest, you know, Chad and I had been married about six years and, you know, kids are in the thought process and we finally had moved. And um, I had been told that I was going to have to do fertility and have a really hard time having babies. And I just remember thinking I wasn't fit. I wasn't fit, but I knew I wanted to be a mom. And so um, I was on a very low dose of a medicine, didn't feel like it was working, and still had that burning desire to want to tell women that they can overcome this. It, it may not be a flip of a switch. It may be years, as mine was a seven, seven and a half year. Um, and it wasn't all bad. You know, I look back and have more so many sweet memories during those years. Um, but it was definitely an off and on struggle. So I got... Um, pregnant and I had been feeling this nudging that it was time to trust and try to get off again because it really wasn't doing it. and then I just did not really want to be on anything while I was pregnant with with Lily at the time and so you know I'm thinking I'm gonna I wasn't on hardly anything but I so I just got off I think I'm gonna just look you know angels are gonna see and the clouds are gonna part and I'm gonna feel fine I'm pregnant now and I have this bundle of joy I shouldn't and it was probably the roughest, hardest nine months. I mean, I really, it was honestly like Satan was just going to try to bring me down in this last. You really thought you would struggle with postpartum depression uh -oh. as well. I was told I would. I mean, I remember in medically, I mean, they tell you if you've dealt with that, then you will have postpartum depression and that if you don't treat it with medication, then you're most likely to have it again and again and again. And so um, that's where you just really, I think, have to really seek the Lord and his wisdom on things and what's good for you. Um, and so I remember just feeling t in a down and out, okay, drove home, I'm pregnant, I'm not enjoying this pregnancy. I, everyone would think I am, you know, I'm sitting here feeling guilty because I have this life in me, but I just don't care. Um, and I went for a jog and it was one of those moments where you just feel that gentle whisper and I'm just like, God, what do I do? Do I take medication so that I can enjoy this pregnancy? Am I going to hurt my baby more for being, you know, down and out or do I risk, you know, just what do I do? All I didn't know things. it was whether I should get back on something or not. You know, I thought you were going to be faithful to me and I mean, you're not being, and I felt this, it's, 
as Craig says, you know, you have spiritual promptings and uncommon clarity. I felt this just spirit whisper in my ear, the still small voice saying, this is the way walk in it. And I, and, and it was to not, it was to not take anything and to go ahead and stay off of it. So I go inside and I sit in my computer and I get these daily emails from Tony Evans ministry. And it, you know, at the top, it says, dear Whitney, cause they personalize them all. And it says a lot of what God wants to do in your life won't be done until you do what he has already revealed to you. God wants a relationship with you. He wants you to see him up close and personal. So he puts you in a situation where he is your only solution where it can't be fixed if he doesn't fix it. God says, I've let you use all of the natural options available to you and you are still stuck. Well then, what happens? Know that you are stuck with a purpose and look to God. And I just felt like that was total confirmation. And that was all from in that email. All that it sounds it like, was your, it sounds like your words. <laughs> it was in bold, like bold print in the email. And then, you know, they go on to expand on it in scripture. And I just remember sending it out to you and sending it to Lindsay and being like, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to feel good and know, and no, it was still this heavy, dark cloud. I even, um, you know, I think it's several, I've heard several things that they'll say, don't doubt in the darkness what God told you in the light. Mm-hmm. And even though I was in the darkness and felt like that, it's so true because I remember beginning to sink back in to, you know, it was just a long nine months. So I had Lily and, um, I did not have full on postpartum. I probably had a little bit. I just, cause I do remember not enjoying her to the extent I wanted to, and just still feeling a little bit numb. And, um, I just, man, it just slowly started lifting and I don't, there was never a just definite day, but it just was never as bad as it had been. And so now we are, Lily just turned um, six years old. So seven years that I have not been on anything. Um, I've, I've done, you know, I've recertified for my boards. I've had two more babies with no postpartum. Um, just, you know, lots of little things that have happened to family members and stressors. And God has just been really, really, really faithful. Not, I have days where I'll struggle with just little glimpses of it. And I feel like that's well, just I have his, days. Right. I think that's just his little gentle whisper to remind me of where he's brought me. Right. Um, because how quickly we become comfortable and can easily forget what he's done for us. But um, it was just a slow, slow. And then, you know, you finally look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I have not. And I'm in a point where it's been, you know, so long now that I'm really just, God has been so faithful. Um, and I just honestly can't believe how good he has been to me through this. And I just, I think that I always want to encourage women that you are not a powerless victim over your circumstances and just to find whatever healing that is and whatever, to just really seek God and find direction of what, how he wants to deliver you and how he wants to. Nothing All I could remember going through that is I just felt this desire to want to tell women that they can overcome this, Mm -hmm. that they don't have to deal with this forever, like conventional medicine tells you. Or um, So if you were talking to uh, someone else just sitting right in front of you, or maybe someone's listening right now, is that what you would, is is that the kind of the one nugget you would want them to know or to hear? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Just... It's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. He's, you know, it's not a snap of a finger. He's truly 
molding you. Um, you're in the potter's wheel and to just trust in him, but know that he really is faithful. Um, and he will deliver you, but it may not be in your timing and it may not look like what you're, you want it to look like exactly. Um, but there is hope. And that's really our goal today is your goal. My goal is to give someone hope who is desperate for hope and to remind them that Jesus came. The reason he came was to set captives free. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's the point. I remember, um, I journaled a ton and I was able to actually pull out all these journals. I bet I had four, you know, where I would just literally sit there on my knees praying and then I would just be quiet and I would write what I felt like God was speaking to me. And, um, I pulled one of them the other day and, you know, there's always that part of you that goes, was this really God? Or was this just me? What I wanted God to say, you know, like, was Mm -hmm. this just me giving myself hope? You sit there and, but I look back on it now and, you know, I wrote this and this was God speaking to me. And he said, Whitney, you have to trust in the promise that I've laid in your heart. Your ways are not my ways. You will not understand the path until you are through it. I am ordering your steps. Don't doubt. I have placed sermons, books, people in your life to encourage your journey, and I am in control. And this is not my will for you. So, Man, um, so it's just powerful. cool to look back on that and see that he really has, I mean, he has delivered me. It's been seven years, There's but it was seven long years that I dealt, you know. So, I think that's the other thing people think a year here, a little six month about here, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, some people really, really deal with this. Mm-hmm. And when there's layers and layers of, gosh, childhood, you know, things, then your heart just breaks even more. And I I think God offers, he knows each individual story and who needs, your story's not going to look like someone else's. Absolutely. That's a good point too. This is my story. This may not be. Right. For someone listening, I don't want you to think that, oh, I'm, I've been doing this for six months. I still have six and a half years to go or, or like everyone's journey is so different. And I think that's, we can't, all we can do is control our response mm-hmm. of how we trust God. And like Whitney said, putting, um, just diving into the word, like it's medication, um, getting people around you, community, small group, friends, family that will pour into you whenever you can't pour into yourself. And I think it's so powerful for you as a Christian, as a medical professional, as a wife and mom and and really, like we talked about at the beginning, someone who you look on at and has this just amazing life for you to stand here and say, I went through this. And even right now, I know that it's not easy to even have this conversation and to kind of dig up the pain. Right. But really the reason why we're even having the, this conversation is for his glory so that other people going through it um, will see hope. And I truly believe that this journey isn't over. And I don't mean in a sense of that you're going to struggle again, but just, I think that God wants to do so much with this. He Mm -hmm. didn't, he didn't have you go through all this to bury it down and to forget about it. Absolutely. And and I kind of have, honestly, for the, for a long time, I really didn't like to talk about it. It was embarrassing. I felt weak. I was embarrassed. Um, you know, there's a stigma with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I couldn't, I, I, and then from the outside in, like I had no reason to even remotely explain why I was dealing with it, you know? And I think that many people suffer and it's not because of sin or they've resisted God or, um, but it's just because the Lord just refines our lives through hardships and difficulty. But I always say, but like, 
I don't like I always Lindsay and I always joke like, okay, God, I want to get closer to you, but like on these stipulations, <laughs> I, know, right? I don't really want to, you know, so oh, I, and I say that, that again, I would not want to go through this again. And I absolutely, I can look back and I'm so thankful because of where I am now, but I would not want to go through it again. And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Some of those painful, but it's brought you so much closer to him oh, as well. Definitely. And you know, you see where it's one of those moments where you can see where he's, um, was faithful. And so when you're facing a trial and you can go, okay, he was faithful then. So he's going to be faithful now. Right. It reminds me of a recent message we heard at Life Church. We had a guest speaker, Levi Lesko, who lost his, at the time, five-year-old daughter in just such a tragedy. Um, but gosh, he just brought such perspective um, on just life and death and that we're not here forever and where is our hope. And I think that can translate into, you know, if we're dealing with whatever, whether it be grief or whether it be just a major trial like what you went through. I love when he says, hurting with hope still hurts. Um, I've always said that my heart absolutely breaks for people that have never been shown Christ or have not grown up in Christian homes or don't have that strength because I truly don't know how they get through it. Because at least when you're in it, even though it's so painful, you still have hope. Yes. And I love when he also said, you will not get over it, but you can get through it. So wherever you are, it'd be a great resource for you to go to life.church and watch the two sermon series, Through the Eyes of a Lion by Levi Lesko. So is there anything else, any um, practical advice maybe that you tell your patients or that you would tell somebody else today that... If they're looking for a lifeline, something that just could be helpful. Oh man, um, so many things. I look back, my stress level was through the roof, um, which I couldn't, I couldn't help that. I mean, it was school it was a time of my life. I was drinking caffeine like crazy. I wasn't exercising. I probably wasn't eating as healthy. You know, you're newly married and living on loans, and I think God, and love and loans love and love. loans. Yeah, I think God has shown me so much, and that's honestly what's fueled so much of my passion for, I've always had an interest in nutrition as that was my bachelor's degree, but has really fueled this desire for wellness. Um, I always tell my patients, you need to make sure you're getting seven to eight hours of good sleep a night. Sleep plays a huge role. You need to make sure you're drinking a lot of water. You need to try to exercise three you know, to five days of hard, 30, 45 minutes a week. Um, you know, look at those things in your diet that can, um, lots of sugar, obviously, you know, fast food, sodas. Um, and so I'll give them some diet things. I always tell them to get on a really good multivitamin with omega threes and, um, folic acid. Cause those things have been, you know, linked, um, to depression. Um, counseling I think is more efficacious than medicine in many ways. And I always, when I write them, you know, medication, um, and I think there's such a place for it, but I will always say, you know, this isn't, this isn't the uh, magic pill. You know, there's so much more into this that you really need to, if there's a ton of stress or you know stuff that's triggering this, you need to try to get counseling and deal with it. You need to, um, obviously, you know, I'm like, get in church and get on your knees, um, is what I'm saying, but I'm very guarded on saying that every patient, um, and feeling God's lead, you know, spiritual leading when I'm doing that kind of thing. But uh, it's just really led us into looking so much into diet and how it plays a role. And then it's also kind of leading me into learning a whole lot more medically on um, chronic disease and how to treat it and functional medicine. And it's a whole other passion that's kind of been lit in me that wouldn't have been had I, I not dealt with right. this. 
Well, there's only, there's so many things that we can control and there are some things we can control, Mm -hmm. but then there's some things we can't, but really all that we can focus on is what we can control. Like you said, diet, exercise, um, sleep, different things like that. It's kind of like, obviously if you're standing next to a busy highway, if you jump into the middle of a highway, it's not probably going to be good. And so there's certain things that we do need to be mindful of to help. Absolutely. And if you're, I always see, you know, see people that are burning the candle at both ends and I get nervous for them because I'm, I'm thinking, Oh, you know, that's, that stuff leads to depression and anxiety and ulcers and all kinds of illness. And so many of these things are scriptural. I mean, God God says to be still and know that I'm God. I think Mm -hmm. that there are so many things. Um, a few books that I would recommend that I just clung to was, um, Joyce Meyer's, um, Battlefield of the Mind. Beth Moore, Praying God's Word, Breaking Free from Spiritual Strongholds. And that is the one that we're actually going to give away a copy of. Okay. So Awesome. Um, it's a great book. It, it even, I mean, it talks about overcoming sexual addiction, overcoming depression, overcoming the enemy, overcoming unforgiveness. Has a lot of different topics. So really anyone could relate and use this book. Yes. Not just for anxiety. Um, and then just to leave it, I remember clinging to this, um, scripture so much and feeling like, um, Isaiah 61, one through four, Um, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives, release from the darkness for the prisoners. And then it goes on. And at the very end, I love how it says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. I just remember praying, God, just through this, make me an oak of righteousness. Make my roots stronger than they you know, were before. Um, and help me to be a strong planting for you. I think you releasing some of these words or planting them, however you want to look at it. I think doing that, you are helping restore hearts that desperately need to hear these words. And I know that it was, it's not easy to go back Mm -mm. and talk about all this, (laughs) but I really appreciate you doing it and thank you for being brave and for sharing your story. Thanks for asking me. I hope that it can give somebody hope and um, encouragement. Well, it's giving me hope and encouragement, even just listening (laughs) to you today. So I know that it will. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining and listening today. You should know I'm giving away a free copy of one of the books Whitney referenced, Praying God's Word, Breaking Free from Spiritual Strongholds by Beth Moore. All you need to do is either share this episode or tag a friend on social media and tag me too so that I know, and you'll be entered in the giveaway, which I will announce next week. Remember, you can subscribe to The Messy Table on iTunes. That's what I do. I seriously click one button and all the podcasts I like come straight to my phone. It's awesome. And you can subscribe on jenjewel.com, which would allow you to get any new content, blog posts, or podcasts delivered straight into your inbox. Well, I can't even put into words just how much I appreciate Whitney's openness and vulnerability and willingness to dig up some pain to hopefully point some captives towards freedom and and towards Jesus, ultimately. If you're someone who's going through your own battle, please don't do it alone. I pray that you will be brave like Whitney was and share your struggle with someone who can help encourage you through it, remind you who you are and who God is. We weren't meant to do this life alone. 
So as you go about your week, remember to gather your people together and have intentional conversations at your own messy table.